Dr. Michael Roizen. Dr. Michael Roizen. You, the Owner's Manual Radio Show. You're listening to You, the Owner's Manual Radio Podcast and Radio MD, iHeart, or wherever you download us from. Thank you very much for doing that. This is the B segment, and the Bs are always great guests, and we have a special guest for you today. I'm actually looking very much forward to talking to Philip Bouchard, the author of The Stickler's Guide to Science in the Age of Misinformation, the real science behind hacky headlines, crappy clickbait, and suspect sources. And as he said, we have more scientific information at our fingertips than ever before and more disinformation, too. It doesn't only occur, um, I guess, with politics. Uh, Philip Bouchard is a natural science nerd, so I have right since he's since I'm a science nerd, this uh, fits right in with it. He has a track record of creating successful educational media. As a software engineer and educator, he designed the famous 1985 computer game, The Oregon Trail, which went on to sell 65 million copies. Smithsonian Magazine called the game a cultural landmark, and Time named it as one of the best 10 video games of all time. Uh, Bouchard holds a both a bachelor's and master's degree from the University of Georgia and the University of Texas at Austin. Um, so I'm going to get right into it and thank uh, Philip for being here. I will remind you that we are brought to you by Life's First Naturals, which produces, of course, bovine colostrum in pill form, which in randomized controlled trials has been shown to decrease the risk of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory leaky gut syndrome and shortening the gut villi and has been shown uh, to decrease the inflammation after vigorous exercise such as a marathon. was first uh, shown that way in studies in Italian soccer players who used it after games so they could recover faster, they said. But in any case, that was some really very good randomized controlled studies in epidemiology. That's at Life's First Naturals for bovine colostrum. Philip, if I may use that, it's Philip Bouchard, B-O-U-C-H-A-R-D, and I forgot to ask you in our prep session um, what the website is we can have people go to to find out more information. So I'm going to start out there as well as thank you for coming on. Well, thank you, Dr. Rosen. I'm uh, delighted to be on your show. Um, so the website is philipbouchard.com. It's one L in Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P-B-O-U-C-H-A-R-D.com. And um, let me go right into the questions um, in the book, it says, for example, that most people misunderstand the concept of evolution, even if they accept evolution as scientifically true. In, in, tell us how they're wrong. There are several uh, misconceptions, but I'll start off with two. One is that evolution is a linear path leading from uh, an earlier species to a much later species, as opposed to a tree. And the other one is that evolution leads to, always to a higher state, some kind of superiority. 
So, uh, and this is particularly common when we think of, of the ascent of man going from what we, um, this, when we see these pictures often of a line of, of primates with a man at the end. But in reality, um, evolution usually uh, occurs in a, in a tree form. So for instance, over the past five million years, there have been at virtually all times, multiple species of hominins in the world. In other words, other human species occupied the world along with us until just 40,000 years ago. Um, also, the, um, the idea of being superior is a, is a bit misleading. What actually happens is that evolution leads each species or, or a population to be better adapted to current local conditions. That's it. Now, how do we relate that to the COVID virus now? In other words, is, is the Delta form um, a just more adapted to humans and there may be um, it may burn itself out or, or what how do we how do we how do we use this information with the evolution of a of a viral species well that's a great question so with um viruses um particularly in, this, in the case of the of covid there's a lot of variation genetic variation constantly being generated and most of those variants just quickly disappear uh, every now and then a new variant will come along that is much better adapted in one way or another so one of the one of the best ways to adapt for a virus is to be more contagious, more easily spread from one person to another. But uh, oddly enough, actually becoming less lethal is adaptive as well, because if you keep your host healthier, then your host will keep you around longer. So those are two examples. Now, um, the one of the great things you have in here, one of the chapters I loved, um, which I'm going to get to after this question, was about uh, the five senses. But before we get to that, um, you say that the blueprint of life, that DNA being our blueprint of life, is misleading. Uh, tell us about that. As an analogy, um, it falls short primarily because it suggests that um, there are complete plans with an end point uh, that's designated in those plans. So, in other words, blueprints tend to consist of. Um, diagrams, drawings, things that show what we expect at the end. Well, DNA doesn't actually have anything in it that tells us what the end uh, result should be. Uh, instead, DNA is really just a set of templates to produce proteins. But all that, those proteins themselves then, through some complicated procedures, end up producing the human body or an oak tree or an elephant or whatever it does. Furthermore, they also control uh, the biochemical processes that are going on in the body. But the DNA is doing this all quite indirectly just by producing proteins. And as you can tell from the book, from my questions, this is a interesting book, um, kind of as a, um, what I like to think of it as a owner's manual about the human body, um, but going into some areas where there are misconceptions and written in a very fun way. So I enjoy it a great deal. Thank you for writing it. Um, Thank you. Now, now talk to us about uh, the five senses and um, why you think this is uh, maybe a misnomer. All right. Well, the concept of five senses has a long history. The Greeks, you know, more than 2,000 years ago, were saying that we had five senses. And that has become uh, built into our culture. But over the past, say, 150 years, we've learned a lot more about 
other senses. We've learned that there are other senses, but we haven't updated the number that we use in our popular culture. So for one good example is that in the inner ear, there's two organs. One has to deal with our hearing, with sound, that's the the, uh, cochlea. But then there's another organ in the inner ear that has to do with our sense of balance. Those those are the semicircular canals. And those have separate nerves that go to the brain and they serve different purposes. So at the very least, we have an additional sense right there, the sense of balance. But in fact, uh, if you there are more and more. If, if you count up all of these sensors that are going on deep inside the body, that are monitoring different things happening inside the body, you could say that we have more than 30 senses. That's a lot of senses for medical students to memorize. So <laughs> that's why it was. Now, tell us what you mean. You have a, a, a I, I should... Uh, question you you're taking me to a different place than i wanted to go so i'm going to come back um so you talk about uh toxins and do we need to clean them and there obviously there's an article out today on uh that from the ambar study where one of the speculations of uh, reversing some of the cognitive dysfunction that was done in this randomized controlled trial is that uh, this plasma exchange, and you can listen to more about it. I'm talking to our listeners now, not you, Philip. You can listen more about it on 1072A, the AMBAR study, um, where the speculation is that what that therapeutic plasma exchange or what is called plasmapheresis in other cases was really clearing out some heavy metals, uh, some toxins from the body, not not just um, some signaling toxins, if you will. Um, but is there a need to clean toxins in general from your system? Well, you, you brought up an interesting area that I really can't directly address, but in terms of toxins in, in general, it seems that the, the, the body already has systems that work pretty well in terms of removing toxins. So if you have a healthy liver, a health, healthy kidneys, you eat a good diet, um, then there's a lot of removal of, of toxins already going on, and it may, is maybe more than adequate. There's also the question of whether the popular cleanses that are that you see on the media are uh, themselves any good, or if in some cases they might even be harmful. So those are some of the questions there. And there's one other interesting point. No, no, I'm of the uh, occasion they're not needed, uh, the gut cleanses that are... Uh oversold are probably not needed, but um, whether the therapeutic plasma exchange is serving as a signaling cleanse or a metal cleanse or has some other reason it's working, we don't know. So uh, don't take my comments about it because it was just one of the speculations about why it actually was reversing in both animal models and now in this 2B3A trial in humans, randomized controlled trial, why it was reversing Alzheimer's disease. And that, that's, if I was going to say the biggest story of the year is that one, although we haven't seen it get a lot of media attention yet, but I think it's it ends up being, um, since it's an already approved FDA technique for other diseases, it's going to be one of the biggest stories of the year. But in any case, I, I, I didn't mean to imply um, that the, uh, the gut cleanses were uh, of a benefit. Um, Tell us about uh, um, why we've heard a lot about in this last couple months of 
climate change and CO2 trapping heat. How does CO2 trap heat? Well, the short answer is that carbon dioxide absorbs a lot of the, or most of the infrared radiation that's given off by the Earth. But to make sense of that, it helps to know that the Earth is constantly radiating infrared radiation out into space. And the amount of energy that the Earth sends out into space this way approximately equals the amount of energy the Earth gains from sunlight. And those have to remain in balance because if you have more energy coming in than going out, the Earth will warm. Or if you have more going out than coming in, the Earth will cool. So the, uh, uh, the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by absorbing all this infrared radiation can lead to uh, the, uh, a warming of the Earth. And indeed, evidence suggests that it, that is exactly what's happening. And um, when you say it absorbs the radiation, what's the process? Does it grab hold of one of the molecules and change a, a hydrogen or something? How does, that, how does it happen? Well, we can think of uh, all molecules as being transparent to certain wavelengths of light and, and um, opaque to certain other ones. Uh, however, as we look in, through the atmosphere, we can see that um, the gases in the atmosphere, for the most part, are not uh, being absorbed by any of the light coming in at any of the frequencies. Otherwise, we would see um, a, a, a dimming or a shift in color. On the other hand, that's what the incoming radiation is mostly uh, visible light and some of the near, near infrared. The, the Earth gives off a whole lot of infrared, though, and way deep in the infrared. And that's an area where uh, carbon dioxide and water and methane all absorb. Uh, so what happens then is that the outgoing infrared radiation meets one of these molecules, it's absorbed, it causes uh, the molecule to vibrate, and in other words, it, it gains heat, it warms up. And then those molecules in turn will in, um, radiate infrared as well. So some of the infrared eventually does get out to space. In fact, quite a bit of it eventually does, but it is delayed, and that uh, results in the heating of the atmosphere. We're talking to Philip Bouchard, whose uh, website is Philip Bouchard, P-H-I-L-I-P, one L, P-H-I-L-I-P, Bouchard, B-O-U-C-H-A-R-D dot com. Um, and the book we're talking about is The Stickler's Guide to Science in the Age of Misinformation. Uh, Philip, I can't resist asking you, how did you come up with the idea for the Oregon Trail? Well, the, um, I had the benefit of working with a proven uh, concept. The Oregon Trail, in its original text-only form, was uh, originally invented in 1971. And it, so it had been kicking around for quite a while when I was put on the team to create the, uh, the completely reimagined version in 1984 and 85. And that's the version that people um, often think of as being the original version, but it's not. They, um, we took some key ideas, but we expanded them dramatically. Uh, in order to get to this product that people now think of as being the iconic version of the Oregon Trail created for the Apple II and for the um, PC. And are you still working on games? Only for fun. I, I have a, uh, 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 I create board games sometimes for fun and play them with uh, friends and relatives. And that's about it. Um, we're talking, and where do you live, may I ask? Uh, yes, I live uh, near Atlanta, Georgia. So in Atlanta, Georgia, I guess as a former University of Georgia um, alumnus, a current alumnus, I guess, and uh, both um, bachelor and master's, uh, you're still loyal to uh, the university. 
um, and the state by living there. The uh, book is a wonderful book, Stickler's Guide to Science in the Age of Misinformation. Um, we'll be back next week. This is the B segment. The Bs are always guests like Philip Bouchard. PhilipBouchard.com is the website. Guests uh, on the B segment, the A's, the latest medical news of the week and what it means to you. And do tune in to 1072A because of all the stories, yeah, the vaccine was a great story and, a, and maybe the major science story of uh, 2020. But 2021, I think the AMBAR study, the one that used therapeutic plasma exchange and in a randomized controlled trial in humans shows reversal of early Alzheimer's disease, not just stabilization, which itself would be a major story, but this actually was reversal. Um, and it has followed up on animal studies, which also show that you're going to want to find a friend who knows how to get you to a therapeutic plasma exchange program if you're over the age of 60 and worried about this disease, as all of us probably are. Um, we're brought to you by uh, Life's First Naturals, the makers of bovine colostrum. Bovine colostrum has been shown in randomized controlled trials to reverse or prevent the effect of exercise and of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs in shortening gut villi and in causing leaky gut syndrome. You'll want to look that up. It is bovine colostrum at Life's First Naturals. Thanks again, uh, Mr. Bouchard, philipbouchard.com. And thanks again to Caitlin for engineering, and especially to you, our listeners, of you, the Owner's Manual podcast. 50,000 of you a week can't be wrong. Thanks very much for doing it. And talk to your friends. Tell them about the program. And tell them about the Stickler's Guide to Science, a fun read and really informative. We'll be back next week.